Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. And Jim, we start with our good martini in the White House briefing room. The response from economic advisor Jared Bernstein, who was an economic advisor for Biden when he was vice president. Now he's on the uh, Council of Presidential Economic Advisors. And let's just say he had a relatively rough day in the briefing room yesterday. First of all, he was scrambling around to explain that when we said that inflation would be transitory, we didn't mean that it would be over quickly. And people kept reaching for their dictionaries because that's exactly what they wanted us to believe. Uh, But the other issue uh, that Bernstein was out there to talk about, among others, I guess, was to crow that the Biden administration has brought down gas prices some 50 cents over the past month. At which point, James Rosen, who you may remember from Fox News, he's now the White House correspondent over at Newsmax, is like, you know, you blamed everybody else on the planet for gas prices going up, and now you want credit for them going down. Uh, Aren't you uh, being a little disingenuous here? Having it both ways, Jared, because when the gas prices go up, it's got nothing to do with the president. When we see some decline, you want him to get the credit. Uh, look, I think that uh, that, that uh, it, it, there's there's no both way thinking here at all. I think that uh, there has been uh, a consistent, uh, uh, I think, pressure on on this White House to try to do everything it could to ameliorate inflationary pressures. And the president has reacted uh, from the beginning, talking about how this was such an important priority uh, to uh, 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 alleviate these pressures on behalf of the American people. So what did he do? He put his head down and got to work and got us to work to do everything we could to achieve that goal. He then presided over the largest historical release of uh, barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve, 180 million barrels. Then he talked to global partners to get them to kick in uh, another 60 million. Jim, I love the stammering and stumbling in the beginning, but my favorite part there is, and it's total Washington speak of, we did everything we could. We rolled up our sleeves and we were determined to do everything possible and it turned out we had one idea, and that was to release <laughs> reserves from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which I think, if we're being honest here, Jim, is not the reason that gas prices are down. It's because people have given up on trying to do things they would have done. So demand is down. Uh, but nonetheless, the Biden administration trying to take credit here. Greg, I think the the factor that Barrett Bernstein did not dwell on, and I think there's pretty still front and center in people's minds. I'm looking this morning at the AAA listing of gas prices, the national average is still $4.49. Now, is that better than $5.01, which is what it was in mid-June? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, as he says, that's 50 cents better. The problem is $4.49 a gallon is still expensive. It's still really expensive by historical standards. And my guess is that this is the time of year you probably want to drive you know, up and down the coast or you want to go visit Aunt Edna or you know, you want to do something, which means you're going to be you know, pumping more gas into your car. So you're paying a lot more. So this is, you know, there's that meme that goes around um, that features a guy getting a medal. He bites it to make sure that it's gold. He kisses the girl. He sprays the champagne. He sits around saying, we're number one. And then they pan back. And sometimes he's the guy who won the bronze medal. And sometimes they have him in seventh place and he's still celebrating excessively. I know the administration is desperate. And I realize you, you feel a little bit of sympathy for Jared Bernstein. There's really not a lot. You, know, you can point to low unemployment and you can say the gas price is down about 50 cents from its peak. That's the good news. Other than that, everybody's still in really rough shape. It was a 9.1% unemployment, uh, 9.1% inflation last month. 
Nobody expects it to come down dramatically anytime soon. A lot of this stuff is economic conditions are pretty much locked in. Don't bother looking at your 401k. It's all bad news. Um, you know, people are are hurting out there. And, uh, you know, Bernstein's got to tap dance as best he can. You know, you know why, why do gas prices go up? Well, yes, of course, there's multiple factors. The Biden administration's position is that nothing they do in policy had anything to do with gas prices going up had nothing to do with shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, had nothing to do with declaring that he wanted to stop fracking, had nothing to do with basically taking a position that is adamantly opposed to oil and natural gas companies. And that basically made you know, oil, gas, natural gas companies like, well, why should we invest in a new oil field that will take five years to come online when five years from now, the Biden administration will have enacted a whole bunch of policies to put us out of business? You know, a whole bunch of these refineries that are the problem have been switched over to biofuel processing. Now, once they get running, that'll be great. I have no problem with putting it in my car if it makes my car run. I guess I have no huge preference for the smell of French fries going everywhere I go. But fine, if that's what it takes, let's do it. But it's, it's no, they're not ready yet. So because we don't have enough refineries uh, online, and we've lost close to a million barrels a day in refinery capacities compared to before the pandemic. That's why we're in this mess. And now the administration is running around saying, hey, is it, can you switch any of them back? No, no, there is no big, you know, uh, it's not like you're replacing one part to change an oil refinery to a biofuel processing facility. The administration wanted, got what it wanted, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh God, please save us from, from get, us getting what we wanted. Uh, Bernstein is a really tough day. Uh, it is kind of funny, good for James Rosen for you know putting him on the spot and making him uh, wiggle around like that. But uh, alas, I don't think we're gonna have, you know, this, this, you know, the administration will not have good economic news to talk about for a while. And I think that's that's the bad news in this good martini i'm curious what the reaction is going to be jim if there's a bump up in demand maybe it's down to the point where a few more folks are going to say maybe we can squeeze in that summer vacation or you know at the end of summer when you know everybody's got to commute every day and that sort of thing um what their reaction is going to be is that going to be all putin's fault again or somebody yeah else? You know, it goes on and off as to whether it's putin's fault as well <laughs> look you know did that did that exacerbate the problem sure yeah but it's not like this is the first year americans have wanted to drive around in the summer I suppose it's possible you could say after having the summer, you know, well, 20, the pandemic shutting down so many plans for so many people's plans for 2020, 2021 was kind of hit and miss. If you remember right around last year, we were seeing all these high cases of COVID in the South because everybody was hot down there and everybody was spending time indoors with air conditioning. People spend more time indoors. It spreads around a lot faster. So last year wasn't really normal. So this is the first year that feels really normal. Wall Street Journal had this great article about how parents are trying to give their kids everything they can do in this summer, uh, which maybe we're a little guilty of too. And it's just this mentality of like, oh, we got to go out and do this stuff, but which has demand really high, which has prices really high. Low supply, high demand, prices go up. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, like you said, oil companies looking into the future, this administration trying to pretend that uh, conditions and decisions and things that happen on a moment to moment basis are the only things that factor into fuel prices. And they're just they're just either clueless or lying uh, one or the other or maybe both. Uh, Jim, speaking of being not clueless, you want to be smart about your oral health because good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. Even if you're on top of your brushing, you can upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor, which will track and improve your brushing with the free Quip app. And also you can earn amazing rewards like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and more. 
They've also got their refillable floss. They've also got the refillable gum that's sugar-free and actually helps with your oral health. How often does gum do that? Refillable mouthwash that's four times concentrate. That's uh, also good for you and the planet. So if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash martini. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini. Remember that Quip is the Good Habits Company. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now. And it seems like we're spending a lot of time on this topic. This is the third time in a week that we've had to talk about Democrats being completely tone deaf when it comes to Latinos. It was just uh, a week ago today that we were talking about Jill Biden and her speech in Texas, uh, referring to uh, uh, Latinos, or Latinx as she would put it, uh, being as unique as breakfast tacos. Then we talked about the Congressman Ruben Gallego in Arizona, who said that the Republican candidate uh, in his state uh, was uh, not an authentic Latina because she was using her white husband's last name and that she was only Latina when it suited her politically. Well, now we've got another example. We all know about Myra Flores. She is the Republican candidate who won the special election down there in a district close to the Mexican border. That's the first time Republican had won that district, I believe, in more than a century. Uh, now, because of redistricting, she's in a member versus member race later this year uh, versus Democratic Congressman Vincente Gonzalez. And so as a result of them being frightened about Myra Flores, the Gonzalez campaign paid a blogger to run a tax on her. Um, and let's just say they probably want a refund. So they uh, put out this uh, social media post calling Myra Flores Miss Frijoles 2022. She, of course, uh, tries to run with it and says, My far-left opponent, Vincente Gonzalez, hired a local blogger to run hateful and racist ads against me. But I love frijoles, and I grew up eating frijoles. I'm not embarrassed of my upbringings. Frijoles with tortillas de harina is simply the best. Here's to Miss Frijoles 2022. So, uh, Jim, the Democrats are clearly panicking over the fact that Latinos are abandoning them in droves, planning to vote for Republicans. They don't know what to do about it, and every time they try to, they step on another rake. Well, first of all, just as last, our, our good martini had a dark undertone. I think there's a good undertone to this. There's NBC News wrote, this was front and center, on the MSNBC politics page today. I think NBC News can even, even they can figure out calling a Latina Republican Miss Frijoles is unacceptable. And if you have any doubt, I just say, just imagine the scenario where a, uh, a Republican of any, of any color, but let's assume, you know, a, a white Republican called a Latina Democrat Miss Frijoles. AOC. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, it would be thermonuclear it would be you know front you know and cnn would be running a countdown special prime you know, this or, or you know this this would just be uh front page news it'd be a huge deal and you know you would be rightfully denounced as you're not supposed to make fun of people for their ethnicity now it's interesting this is from some you know liberal blogger that's contracted with the campaign and i think it's you know like we've seen a lot of cases where a candidate will you know, try to stay above the fray and happy, positive talk and all that stuff. And they'll have the surrogates and have the allied groups go negative on them or something like that. And I think it's good that people are starting to realize, you know what, this, you can't do this little wink and nod. You know, I'm not calling her Miss Frijoles. I'm just saying other people are calling her Miss Frijoles, things like that. Um, this is a, 
unacceptable behavior and the right thing to do is to cut all ties to the blogger and to offer an apology and offer a clear statement that nobody should be making, making fun of anyone or calling anybody nasty names based on their ethnicity or anything like that. I think this also indicates the thickness of the bubble that a lot of progressives operate in. Because this liberal blogger, who I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, just the, the moment you run around using terms like that, I just kind of have this a vision of, you know, a Daily Coast type frothing at the mouth. Um, you kind of have this 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 sense that there's no one around to say you shouldn't call her that. No, no, no. That's that's no. That's not the image you want to do. That's that's way out of line. You look like a jerk. Uh, it's name calling. It's juvenile. That's not. You know, there's no one around to say it's not the kind of campaign we want to run. And I think it kind of indicates that in progressive circles, you can just say anything about anybody on the right, and it's considered acceptable. And they don't run into anybody who would, you know, have that usual, oh, you shouldn't use that kind of term. Look, if your arguments for your policies are as strong as you think they are, you shouldn't have to resort to this sort of thing. You shouldn't have to be, you know, running around sneering or calling someone a fake member of their ethnicity or something like that. You should be able to say, no, my policies are better because X. And that should do the work for you. You really shouldn't go around. And my opponent is a, you know, uh, isn't a, you know, use whatever ethnic slurs you want to there. It's really, on the one hand, it's, you know, this is really appalling. It's kind of crazy. Somebody thought they'd get away with it. Good for NBC News for spotlighting it. We'll see how the, what the fallout is. Yeah, it's interesting if you, like you said, very well, it'd been thermonuclear the other way. So, it, it, but it doesn't really come down to race and ethnicity or gender with the left. It comes down to your ideology uh, because once they know that you don't agree with them, they apparently feel very comfortable, at least a lot of them do, with uh, bringing out some of the, the yeah. ugliest language out there. It's very odd. Racism but. and ethnocentrism are perfectly justified as long as they're defending progressivism or liberalism. <laughs> Which isn't really denouncing it. It means you're, you're not totally opposed to it. You just oppose it in certain circumstances. Yeah, I almost feel like our first two martinis should have been in opposite categories today. Because This is why you watch. This is why you listen, folks. You never know how how our martinis are going to surprise you these days. Yes, exactly. All right, well, let's talk about something else up on uh, Capitol Hill, where hopefully Myra Flores is uh, still a member next year after that member versus member race. But uh, there are some uh, lousy pieces of legislation coming before the U.S. Senate. And with Chuck Schumer in charge, there's... Certainly going to be no shortage of them. Uh, but new polling shows 65% of Americans blame Joe Biden and the Democrats for rising inflation. Now, if they stand on a united platform to fight inflation, Republicans will likely do well in this year's midterm elections. The last thing Republicans should be doing ahead of the midterms is support progressive pet projects. Only 1% of voters say they want Congress to focus on tech regulation, while 60% say they want lawmakers to focus on inflation. To win in November, Republicans should listen to the people and fight back against inflationary regulations pushed by progressives. NetChoice urges you to join it in demanding that lawmakers oppose Democrat pet projects like S-2992 and tell Congress to focus on the issues that matter to you. To learn more about this fight and send a letter to your representatives, go to netchoice.org slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. All right, Jim, more campaign fodder here in our crazy martini. Of course, uh, Republicans are trying to uh, pick up enough Senate seats to reclaim the majority. That's looking to be an interesting challenge at this point. We'll see how some of the primaries go early next month. Uh, For the Democrats, they see a couple of uh, juicy pickup opportunities. We've talked about Pennsylvania a lot. Another opportunity they see potentially is in Ohio. Now, President Trump won that state quite handily twice. And so the uphill climb, especially in an 
anti-Democratic Party environment like this midterm is certainly shaping up to be. It's going to be a tall order. But they've nominated Tim Ryan, who knows how to talk the populist talk, which has been uh, very effective for President Trump and others in Ohio. We had a martini about him a few weeks ago where he was positioning himself as, you know, uh, in, uh, talking a lot about the areas where he agreed with President Trump. And that's where uh, I believe it was Free Beacon pointed out that, well, he talks about that, but he's actually voting with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. Well, it's not just that he agrees with President Trump once in a while. Now, Tim Ryan is out with an ad of all Fox News hosts talking about what a great moderate he is. Uh, Congressman Ryan, you've been a jobs creator. You've been tough on China. You on the stump, and you talk bread and butter issues, economy, kitchen table issues. Tim Ryan, somebody who is obviously pitching some of the more moderate ideas. Watch, for example, what happened when Congressman Tim Ryan tried to remind his fellow Democrats that most Americans don't actually support open borders. Well, that's opportunity right. You're, you're and very moderate. I mean, bread and butter you're stuff. hanging out in the middle like most of us are. I'm Tim Ryan, and I approve this message. Jim, I'm not sure that's the best way for him to get the base vote out for the Democratic Party when you have you know Tucker Carlson and other folks on Fox News talking about how reasonable they think he is. But I think uh, the silver lining here is that he recognizes how difficult of a climb this is for a Democrat, particularly in his state this year, where he's basically got to present himself as a rocked-ribbed red state guy uh, in order to have a fighting chance against uh, J.D. Vance. And according to the polls right now, it might be working because they're, they're pretty much neck and neck. Yeah, I think you know there are a lot of aspects that are crazy of this. This is not the messaging you would have expected Democrats to do. I think the status of Ohio as a pretty darn deep red state is a surprise to those of us who were not a surprise, but you know, it's, it's a new evolution for those of us who remember the 2004 election. But I think the other thing that jumps out at me is think about how many times we've heard from folks on the left and most you know Democratic officials that Fox News is you know right wing propaganda. State run television, they said during the Trump years, right? This is, you know, it's probably it's disinformation. It's it's no one should be unless their guy needs to win. <laughs> and, that, and then all of a sudden it's perfectly okay for Tim Ryan to pitch himself to uh, Fox News viewers and advertise on it and all that kind of stuff. It's absolute Fox News is this terrible, toxic, destructive force in our democracy, unless it's the easiest way for a Democrat to reach out to the voters he wants to win over. And then it's fine. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> their their attitude about Fox News can turn on and off like a light switch, and I think it's just kind of revealing um, that that you know one of the reasons people I think get exasperated with politics is that everything is always the absolute worst ever until it isn't, and then you're okay with it. You know, as we discussed earlier about using ethnic slurs and things like that, calling someone Miss Rollies, and then of course you know thinks something is terrific until somebody disagrees with you, and then all of a sudden you know they've been canceled, they're the worst ever, or something like that. Nobody can. Do you realize like? The, the, no one seems to embrace the healing power of meh. No one seems to say, oh, it's okay. It's in the middle. It's all right. Yeah, very consistent theme here. We got uh, you know the Biden administration. Uh, no blame for the price increases. All the credit for the price decreases. And then you mentioned about the uh, the ethnic slurs and 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 then what we're talking about here. So so we will find out what happens uh, in in Ohio. But um, it's curious, curious uh, uh, strategy for sure. I don't know that it's going to work that well because you know if you want to play the Tucker Carlson primary, I'm pretty sure JD Vance has a cot in Tucker Carlson's <laughs> green room. So. Uh, but whether whether that's even uh, I think he sleeps under the desk. You know, he just kind of pops up when he needs them. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much the Tucker Carlson endorsement is going to matter in Ohio, but uh, nonetheless, uh, that's where we are. So uh, if you got a bunch of Democrats out there saying, you know, I'm really indistinguishable from 
Republican. Uh, that's that's quite the statement. And and of course, in the 2020 presidential race, which folks might forget that Tim Ryan was part of, he probably did sound pretty moderate because it was basically the pandering Olympics uh, from all 20, however many Democrats that were on the stage. There weren't that many uh, uh, saying anything contrary to the pander efforts, uh, other than maybe Tulsi Gabbard a little bit and, and Tim Ryan and uh, whatever the heck Marianne Williamson was saying. Yeah, I, I do remember that. He was a candidate for about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, you know, by, by the standards of, of what we like, uh, this is probably the candidate who, you know, he was in, in the, you know, top half, top third of the Democratic options. It's not saying very much. He, you know, he and Tulsi Gabbard and, you know, maybe occasionally when Gar- Marianne Williamson would talk about the, you know, problems and soul of the country, we'd kind of nod along in agreement to that. But, uh, yeah, you know, Tim Ryan, you know, he, he listen, if he's smart, he'd be running ads about how he ran against Nancy Pelosi for speaker a few years ago. He got stomped like a narc at a biker rally, as Dennis Miller used to say. But he at least he was there to say, you know what? I don't like, you know, Nancy Pelosi's leadership. We need something different. He's always been one of the more populist guys in the Democratic caucus. But I don't know if that's going to be enough in this race. But I guess that's why they have, you know, that's why we have to run the campaigns, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be enough, given the dynamics in Ohio and in the country at large. But A for Moxie, I guess, even if it's not all that accurate. Uh, Jim, have a great day. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already, and tell a friend about us as well. Uh, Thanks very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Remember, you can get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and join us again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Much of the media doesn't cover some of the most important stories of the day. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I will discuss how the January 6th hearings have become a completely scripted television production to fit a Democratic narrative and how no one is still asking why so many important details are still being hidden from the public. Don't forget, download and subscribe to the daily No Chit Chat podcast. I don't talk about every single issue, just the ones you need to know the most. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.